Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. As Josh said, I'm Bruce, and uh, I'm an associate pastor here at Orange Crest, and uh, it's exciting to be in this series. Money is a very personal topic. And it's, it's one that we, uh, money we use every day. We think about it every day. A few years ago, I had the chance to get a master's degree that would help me in my work here as a church staff member. And if, it was a pretty busy time of life for us. And so I wasn't sure if it would be good to, to dive into that. Also, higher education usually costs a lot of money. And so I was looking at how much that was going to cost us. But I, I thought, you know, the opportunity is here. I want to take advantage of it. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I just signed up. <laughs> I figured we're going to dive into this thing. The very first semester, I got a tuition break that reduced uh, the price in about half. And then I basically dumped all of our savings into the rest of it. <laughs> and so that was the first semester done to start his classes. The second semester, uh, a relative very unexpectedly paid for the tuition. And which was a huge blessing, very unexpected, and, and uh, I was grateful for that. So third semester, I'm like, what's God going to do now? Like, I, I don't know. I'm out of money, so I'm, I'm praying really hard every day that God provide in some way. And I was checking the mailbox, no letters from anybody or anything. Deadline comes up. I'm praying. Deadline passes, and it's a few days after the deadline for this payment, a few thousand dollars for this one, and I get a call. Hey. Where is the tuition payment? I don't really know. I haven't figured it out. I was very reluctant to go into debt. And that's what, that was my problem. I had gotten uh, thousands of dollars of debt for my undergrad. In the first few years of marriage, my wife and I really aggressively worked to get that paid down. We paid that off in a, in a, in a number of years. I didn't want to do that again. Uh, also, I was feeling very, I, I didn't realize this at the time, but I was very rigid in my perspective on debt. And I saw it as a, you know, it needs to be avoided at all costs, no matter what. And so I was wrestling with these tensions. Eventually, I had to do something. So I took out a loan, <laughs> and I got that. I had to do that two more times in order to finally finish the whole program. And I learned a lot through that process. But over the years, we've been in and out of debt for various reasons. And it helps to have the ability to evaluate, was that just a thoughtless expense, or was that a reasonable stretch towards an opportunity? Most of us are familiar with some of those emotional swings that come from changes in our account balances or how much we're owing. I mean, especially in debt, there's some deep, deep lows you can feel when you're in over your head. Consumer debt in the United States is at a meteoric all-time high of $14 trillion this year. Wow, right? Does anybody, can anybody conceptualize how much that actually is? I, like I don't even, the number sounds big to me and I don't, that's about as far as I can get. I, that's it. For, for perspective though, so 14, actually some sources I checked said it's closer to 20 trillion. It depends on probably what time of the year you look. Uh, in 2008, it was, it was just 2.5 trillion. I say just, but you know. Uh, and even that was an 82% increase from 2000. So basically, what you see is this skyrocketing trend of consumer debt. 
in the U.S. And, and some people are describing it as a crisis where Americans are just drowning in their debt. Here's some stats a little closer to home. Debt in California. <laughs> uh, the average Californian carries a mortgage debt of 335000 Now, this is uh, far and away, this is way bigger than any other state in our country. <laughs> uh, the average uh, mortgage debt is 193000 So we're way above that. Uh, the average Californian carries a credit card balance, ready, of $10,000. <laughs> the average uh, Californian carries student loan balance of 29000 and auto loan balance of 18000 So if you're lower than any of those, you're like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> that feels pretty good. But add all this up. What if you added all this up? You are in some debt, <laughs> if that's you. These, these are probably the four, four of the main categories of debt that we may experience that you might get yourself into uh, for strategic purposes or without thinking. Uh, you may fall above or below some of these numbers, and you may have felt the weight of debt in the past, or you may be feeling it on you right now, and it's a heavy thing. For, for something so intangible, it's amazing how heavy it can feel. <laughs> You can literally feel your blood pressure going up as you think about your debt. I mean, if spouses are not on the same page about how money and debt and finances are being handled, it can create enormous tension and frustration. Debt can easily lead to anxiety, fear about the future, stress, of course, stress. And you can just beat yourself up. You beat yourself up about how I got into debt, beat myself up about how long it's taking us to get out of debt. And in light of all this, you could just, I mean, why don't you just ignore it? I mean, that, you could try that, right? <laughs> Debt's not tangible. You can't see it sitting in a pile in the corner of your house when you walk in from work. It's in the air somewhere. <laughs> you can't get your hands really on it, but it's there. Or you could just ask for an increased line of credit. Keep on going, right? Most companies are generous with that. Generous, I say. Uh, one of the awful things about debt, the Bible says it makes us a slave. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Have you ever felt enslaved by a debt repayment? You know, if that's happening, you're, you're not free to make choices about your money, about what you're earning. The more debt that we accumulate, the more we are tied, in, in a sense, in bondage to the lender. And that limits our ability to freely love others. In fact, Romans 13.8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Now, this is not material debt. Love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The only debt that we should have to each other is to express our love through support and care. And a need might come up in someone's life that you want to help out with, but... You can't give or help in a responsible way because your debt is looming in the horizon. Nobody wants to be enslaved to someone else. And nobody wants to have their hands tied. We don't, we don't want to feel that crushing weight and that, that unrelenting stress. We would all love to get and stay financially free. Now, this could be a very heavy topic especially on a Sunday morning. You come in and we talk about this debt. This is, this, is a, this is a hard problem to face, and it doesn't go away very easily. Where, is it, where does it come from? <laughs> where does debt come from? 
How do, what, you know, what's going on inside of us that we, we get into it? What is going on inside of us that takes so long to get out of it? It's amazing. You can, you can make a decision that literally takes seconds, and you've got decades of impact from it. It's amazing. You may not be facing debt right now, but maybe you're, you've got some financial goals that you're working towards, and it's going slow. There's a letter in the Bible that sheds some light on, on these tensions. And this was a letter written by John. He was a, a friend, close friend, and disciple of Jesus. And he internalized a lot of what Jesus had to, had to say. And so he tells us in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So John is helping us draw a distinction here. We can set our focus and our priority on all the stuff and the glamour that this world has to offer. But if we do that, we effectively crowd out any room in our hearts for, to love God the way that he deserves. We just can't have two number one priorities. Now this, this statement, this is coming from John. This is a guy who probably wrestled with this tension, some of these things in his heart, with Jesus standing right there in front of him. Jesus faced tremendous hostility from, from people while he was about doing his ministry. And his followers, guys like John, they, they picked up some of the heat. Uh, they paid a price to follow Jesus, and then when Jesus left, that, that he turned up into deadly persecution. And so John, he wants us to know, you've got to pick. You've got to pick, get enticed by the things that this world has to offer, the comforts, the stuff, the status, or set your affection and your priority on Jesus, trusting that the road of self-denial will be worth it in the end. He elaborates, he goes on to explain, help us understand, what does it mean to love the world? There's some strong desires that, that, that reside deep in each of our hearts. And he, and he says, for, uh, in, in the next verse, for all that is in the world, he gives three categories. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life. All of this is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So we'll look at these real quick. Desires of the flesh, those are things that I want because they make me feel good. <laughs> Flesh kind of correlates to our body. It could be like feeling good emotionally or physically. But there's things that we can spend money on. Let's be honest. You can buy stuff that just makes you feel good. (laughs) Uh, This could be something like coffee. I think coffee makes me feel good physically and emotionally, personally. (laughs) So that's a good one for me. It could be eating out certain kinds of food. That makes us feel good. Or it could be technology and gadgets or ways to enjoy the best quality music. I mean, I feel good from that. Or we really enjoy watching TV and shows and all this, and so you can, it's so convenient. There's so many ways that you can subscribe to video and audio streaming services. You've got Netflix, Hulu, Apple, Pandora, Spotify, YouTube, Disney. Just pick, take your pick, or, or do them all if you want. You can, you can subscribe to those things. This category, things, things that make us feel good, it could be going out to fun experiences. You know, parks or camping or traveling, seeing new places, nice hotels. There's a range in this category of the financial impact. Coffee costs about $2. You know, going to France maybe costs 10000 I don't know. The, but the root desire in this category is feeling good. And for me, I tend to be more impulsive on the smaller purchases. You know, my wife doesn't usually expect me just to come home with some, you know, like a boat or something like that. It's, it's usually the small stuff for me. Like this weekend, I just went camping, and, uh, you know, the campsite cost 20 bucks. We got there. I spent $10 on wood. Uh, on the way home, we got 
you know, happy meals. I took my kids. We got McDonald's. That was around 15 bucks. I had to pay some gas. And for all, you know, that, you know, that adds up. Did I make a plan for that? No. I just said, I'm taking the kids camping. I didn't really think about the plan ahead of time. I just make a strategic plan. We'll figure it out later. Well, a few months ago, we were, we were looking at our budget, and we were really dialing it in, figuring out all the categories. We're trying to, like, really tighten this up and figure out how to spend the money. Well, we were, we were negative. We, we didn't have as much money as we thought. And I can't figure it out. Like, we, we, were, we, we picked the categories. We set the amounts. So we started looking through the purchases. I was like, oh, I did buy that. Well, I bought that, too. And uh, what I realized was, I was like, you know what? I think I figured it out. Anytime I buy something that's like 10 to $15, I feel like it doesn't count. <laughs> she said, you did what? <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's a buffer, there's a margin there somewhere. Like, I just, the money is just in the air somewhere. I don't know. So stop that. So I stopped that. Very likely, there's something in this category that's pulling on you right now. You may have the fever for something. And you're willing to go great lengths to get it. And if you're not sure, just scan uh, the targeted ads that pop up on your social media or on Amazon. Like they're really good at knowing what you like. They, they do this on purpose. There's, I mean, honestly, they're probably spending tons of money to figure you out. Uh, second category, John gives us desires of the eyes. Now, you know, first is first desire. I want to feel good. This one, these are things I want because I want to be noticed. There's some things I can spend my money on, and I like it when people see that I have it. <laughs> I want people to see me with this thing. And this could be clothes, it could be shoes and hats, you know, watches, accessories. It could be the cars that we drive. It could be homes that we're in, whether you're renting or whether you're buying, the way you decorate it, you know, all of this. Even higher education could be done strategic or it could be done more because you want to be noticed in a certain way. And this is a desire in us. We want, you know, we can buy stuff, and we like it when people see us having it. Third desire, pride of life. Now, this one that is common to all of us, this desire, this is my desire to be self-sufficient. It comes very natural for us to want to take care of ourselves. And as it relates to the expenditure of money, you know, we might just lean towards making decisions without checking in with God or with people. Now, now this, this, there, this could look a lot of different ways. It could be, I'm going ch- to change my jobs. Well, there's a pretty big financial impact there. Or I'm going to move to a new area of town or different part of the country. Or I'm going to make a huge investment or a financial purchase. And it's amazing that some of the biggest decisions with the longest-term financial impact are often the ones that we get the least amount of input on because of this desire. It's part of life. I, gotta, I need to figure me out. And, and I can get into thinking that I need to control the outflow of my resources to take care of myself, to take care of my future. And I start losing touch. I, if I get into this, I can start losing touch with what God has in mind. The problem is not with all this stuff. It's, you know, our problem is not with the clothes or having money or, or the cars. Or, it's not with any of that. The problem is our appetite for the stuff. Much of what you find in the world around you can be rightfully enjoyed. We, we, you know, we, can, we, can, we work hard, we can spend our money, enjoy things. But John is saying that these desires as the driving force are not from God. And if we're not careful, these desires can just lead us right into debt and bondage. These desires distract us from placing exclusive priority and focus on God and his kingdom. And they can block us from being financially free. 
So in order to be financially free, to get and stay free, I must choose contentment. Those desires inside of us that, you know, they're, they're heavy, they're persuasive, they're hard to ignore, but we've got to get a grip on them. Being content, first of all, means that I express gratitude for what I have. Before going any further on, on the material wealth, let's pause and look at the spiritual reality that we find ourselves. For those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven a major debt to God. You may have financial debt, but, but our, our spiritual condition, we are in a, a deep, deep hole spiritually. And as, as life just screams on by and life goes by, we, we've got to remember what God has done to, to pay for that. And we don't fully appreciate the gift of God's incredible grace to forgive us until we become aware of, of our need for that. And, and that, that awareness is something that the Holy, it's a work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit to convict us. But once we understand the depth of our debt, and I believe that's a growing, that's a deepening understanding over time, we can develop a deeper appreciation for God and, and become rich towards him as well. Here's a description of that debt that Jesus forgave for us, or that Jesus paid for us. In Colossians, it says, When you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and he has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. I love that. It's amazing, realizing that the debt that Jesus paid gives us motivation to be rich toward God and invest in the things that are most important in his eyes. And this flows from a heart of gratitude. As we develop gratitude and just beginning to thank God for for what he's done, it naturally leads to gratitude for our material things as well. And that can be a challenge. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things around the holidays was to collect all of the advertisements from, from Walmart and Target and all this and just start circling stuff. Get the Sharpies out. Me and my sisters, we'd be on the floor circling and just slide those across the table to mom and dad so they could see. Whenever those ads get mailed to our house now, I've got four kids, we hide them. We actually, we just throw them away. Right? <laughs> I was like, this isn't helping anybody. I know we can't afford that. Now you see what you're not getting. Like, this is, this is not helping. I, I think all, we get a lot, all of us, we get a lot of help with being discontent. Companies spend billions of dollars to, to make us want what they've got. Even though I've got to be aware of how much advertising I'm exposed to. Or, actually this is more important, I need to be careful about how much time I spend thinking about what other people have. And so many times I look around and I see somebody with something, I'm like, how are they affording that? Or, like, it sounds shallow, are, are they making more than me? Or like, are they spending, and now I'm like, I've got to, I've got to stop that. That's, that's not helpful. <laughs> Uh, I've got to keep my eyes on the path that God has put Bruce and Aaron Wood on. And it's not going to look like anybody else's path. And I, I need to consciously thank him, express gratitude for, for where he has us. I know that he's good and he takes care of us. He's proven that year after year. Being content also means that I limit myself on what I want. It's even hard to say, Ooh, limit myself. <laughs> It's hard to put limits on myself. It's to say no to those money-sapping desires is a constant battle. Personally, I find it easy to come up with excuses to spend money on coffee. <laughs> so anytime we go on a road trip, you know, I like to start out with a latte. 
that's just that's, that's how we get in the zone. And, and for me, a road trip was anything over four hours. But over the years, I've shortened that. I've, I've become more broad with my definition of road trip. <laughs> and I come up with other excuses too. I, you know, I've been working late. I need a little extra kick. And, and honestly, I also kind of deserve it since I'm staying up late to work. Uh, or, or next week is my birthday. I ought to just start celebrating now. <laughs> Or it's been a long day with the kids. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, I deserve a little, a little pick-me-up. Or, or a comment for me is, you know, we, we usually don't spend extra money on this, but we're on vacation, so let's just go for it. <laughs> in all of those, in all of those excuses, uh, that what's, it's a creeping sense of entitlement within me that says, I deserve, you know, I want something, I deserve it. And I deserve the treats. I deserve to go on the vacation or to get the upgrade. With a healthy sense of entitlement, I think I could make a good excuse for just about any purchase. <laughs> and, and this gets even harder when we mix up needs versus wants. You know, I, I need some new shirts. Or I, I don't have time to pack a lunch. I need to, I need to go buy my lunch. Or, or we, we need some more groceries. There's not any food in this house at all that I want to eat right now. <laughs> so at home, we started encouraging each other to use the right word in the right context, you know, I want a new shirt. Doesn't feel like it has the same same authority behind it, you know. It just oh, I need a new shirt. It means something different. So my kids sometimes help me out. Like, Dad, do you really need that? Are you gonna die without it? <laughs> like, no, I'll be all right. Ecclesiastes six nine tells us, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Man, that's easier said than done. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. Like chasing the wind. If you have a personal friendship with God and you're rich toward him, you've got everything you need. God takes care of us. Finally, being content means I let God direct my money. I ask God, help me prioritize this outflow of resources. All my spending, all my giving, all my investing. Lord, would you help me see what's important to you on the way I spend? And this message series is, is designed to help us better understand God's big priorities for wealth and money and possessions. Uh, it's, this series is designed to help uh, our congregation move from struggling to stable or, or from stable to surrendered and then from surrendered to sacrifice. And you may identify with one of those stages and it's possible to carry a load of debt in any of those stages either struggling or stable, uh, surrendered or sacrificed. The Bible helps us get an idea of just how big a priority it is to get out of debt. In fact, if you're in over your head and you're buried, God tells us, get out, get out as fast as you can. In fact, Proverbs 6, 4 through 5, it says, give your eyes no sleep. Don't even go to bed. Don't stop working. (laughs) No sleep. Give your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself. There's danger here. Save yourself from the gazelle, like the gazelle from the hand of the hunter, or like a bird from the hand of the fowler. That's a trap. It's enslavement. It's bondage. Get out of it. He says, put all of your energy into this. Figure out. We've got to figure out how to be aggressive in our debt repayment. Because it's it's easy to put it off. I mean, I you know maybe I'm saying I, I've got I've got a low interest rate. You know, we were going to get serious about it, but you know, we had to buy something, so we'll do it next month. Well, next month's Christmas, so we'll just start a new year. <laughs> we'll get serious about debt repayment. 
We can't, we can't ignore it. We can't let that fester. We can't hope that we'll find a way for someone else to kind of just figure it out, pay it for us. My debt is my own responsibility. I got myself there. Whether it was strategic or foolish or whatever, it's my responsibility. Getting out of debt needs to be a big priority. In two weeks, we've got that financial seminar coming up, and there's going to be an opportunity for you to learn more about practical tools for debt uh, repayment, uh, among other things. This message is less focused on the, on the tools, more on the perspective. So that could be a big help in, in learning how to get out of debt. So it needs to be aggressive, but on the other hand, I'm going, to, I'm, going to give it, I'm going to give a different side of it now. It would be too simple to say that all debt is wrong, and you must always avoid it at all costs. Debt is discouraged in Scripture, without a doubt. But it's not forbidden. Credit is not evil in of itself. You can use debt wisely. In fact, debt may be used for a strategic purpose, especially when you're using it to get appreciable assets. Right now, our church is in escrow on a property. And you may have been hearing about this. If God enables us to raise the full amount for the down payment next month, uh, well, uh, the next step would be to take out a loan for just under $2 million. And, and that's just the first phase. There'll be more after that. The strategic purpose that we have in mind is the mission of reaching more people. And we, we really believe that permanent, visible space will increase our ability to, to effectively carry out the mission that God has given us as a church. And because the loan is going to be spent on lands and a building, those, those are assets that are very likely to appreciate this is California, after all. Prices just keep going up. But on a personal level, determining how much and how fast to pay down debt, it's not so easy to figure. It's not a cut and dry issue. It's not going to be the same for everybody. Right now, we're working on paying down a debt for our van that we drive. And that's, we've been doing that for a few years. And, and to be honest, it's going slower than I had hoped. I had some ideas of just throwing big chunks of money at it and getting it done. And things have come up, and, and we've paid for other things, and that final payment deadline just keeps getting pushed out further and further, which I don't like. But I recently found out that I'm going to be getting an unexpected refund for something for about $500. So my first thought was, oh, that's awesome. We can buy some things that we've been putting off. Like, this totally relieves the pressure on what we were wanting to get. And then I thought, okay, hold on. Reel it in. Uh, this debt thing, this van, I really do want to get this knocked out. It's way less exciting just throwing it at debt, but, but that, that would be a good thing. And then my third thought was, now wait a minute, now wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> we have been praying for, for about a month that God would provide extra money so that we could give to this down payment. Now, we, we don't have a lot of extra resources right now, but we want to be a part of what God is doing. God provides some extra. So now what do we do? This brings up a crest, uh, the question, what's more prudent? Is it, is it better for us to push all extra money into debt repayment, or should I delay that in order to be generous towards an opportunity right now? If you're buried in debt, it's very tempting to hold off on any kind of generous giving until you get free. Debt often squelches generosity but if we hold off to be generous until we are financially free, we run the very real risk of missing the opportunity to give, to bless others, and to see God work through us, and to be a part, to play a part on a bigger scale of what he's doing. 
We all want freedom from the bondage of debt. But very often, the motive within us for, for getting out, if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, we want to get out of debt so we can spend more on ourselves. And you think, you know, this much is, this chunk is going towards debt each month. Man, oh man I can't wait till that frees up, what I can do with it. In our drive to get free, we can't forget the generosity piece. So, how do you know what to do? <laughs> how do you know exactly where to direct the resources that we've got? As far as I can tell, when we're letting God direct our money, it's not a fixed formula. It doesn't, it's just not one plug-and-play thing that we all follow. We need to be hearing from God day by day, season by season, God is alive and real. Our relationship with him is a dynamic one that involves conversation. And I believe that God leads and guides us to make wise decisions about our money if we ask him. I'm not saying that's easy. It's actually, you know, learning how to, to interact and hear from God is a, challenge, it's a whole separate challenge. And it's something we, we need to learn to do. But God will work with you if you give what he lays on your heart to give. And if you be generous as God leads you, be as generous as God leads you to be as you crawl out of debt, and you won't regret it. I believe God also wants to raise our sights. We have the opportunity to direct our resources towards things that will last forever. Most of what we spend our money on doesn't last forever. There was a, there was a guy that was helping me with a, a church event here a few years ago, and we were doing a big event in the park, and so we needed to buy some equipment. He met me at Home Depot because he has a truck, and we needed to transport the stuff. And so we bought um, equipment and, and fencing and large metal poles and all kinds of gear. And we bring it out of the parking lot. And this guy's truck is brand new, enormous, and in great condition. <laughs> it just looked great. Paint was perfect on it. It was shiny. So I'm loading these big metal bars in the thing. Like, okay, I'm, try, I'm like, bro, I'm going slow. I'm, I'm trying not to scratch up your truck here. <laughs> Thanks for letting us use it. And uh, he, said, he said, don't worry about it. It's all going to burn in the end anyway. And I said, are you serious right now? <laughs> I think I'm more concerned about your car getting scratched up than you are. Like, this is crazy. And, and it, was his, it really was his generous his response. And this is a guy who's known for being generous. And, and, and so in a certain way, I guess I wasn't surprised. And it would be a pretty different attitude if the roles were reversed and I was the one owning the truck and he was tossing stuff in there. But his comment... It reminded me of what we just read in 1 John when it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. That's what that guy was doing. His heart wasn't wrapped up in his truck. I mean, he took good care of his stuff, but it wasn't wrapped up there. In fact, the next verse that we're going to look at in 1 John, John tells us, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. There's other parts of scripture that talk about this idea of the world passing away how in the end, uh, God's going to reset some things, and a lot of what we see is just going to be burned up, and, and things are going to be made new. Even those desires, you know, at, we, we looked at those strong, compelling desires that, that pull on us, that tug us, and at the present time, the desires in me have the ability and the strength to master me. But there will come a time when all the things that just seem so alluring right now are going to fade away. And, and for those of us that have yielded control of our lives to God, he's going to replace it all. He's going to replace the world, the stuff, even the earth, the, even the desires within us. He's going to replace it all 
with something better and newer and more pure. Until then, in the meantime, we have got to get a grip on our desires. We've got to get mastery of our own desires to live with contentment and let God direct the use of our money. I don't want mastery of my life and my future and my legacy. I don't want to give that over to a set of desires that's just going to burn in the end anyway. Right now, you have the opportunity to live for something more than yourself. Investing in things that last forever is so much better than letting our resources end up in the burn pile. The Bible says that there's, there's only just a few things that we can invest in that are eternal. There's things that we can invest our time, our energy, our resources, money. And here's what they are. It's God, his word, his kingdom, and people. Jesus said that we can lay up treasure in heaven by investing in these things right now. These are internal investments that we can make right now. It's true. God does give us the ability to enjoy all kinds of things. There, there's stuff that's going to burn that we can enjoy right now. And, and enjoy, you know, there's so much blessing and help that we receive from God. Even being in this country, is we're a very blessed country. There's a lot of things we can enjoy with a clear conscience, totally. But it's very easy to get things out of order. Sometimes we try to get things for ourselves rather than just waiting for God to provide. So, we can't ignore our debt. We've got to be aggressive in loan repayment. But at the same time, we've got to be okay with it being there for a long time because if you're anything like the average Californian, it's going to take some time. And along the way, we can't miss the opportunities for eternal investment. As we walk with God, asking for his guidance, and just, God, would you help me know where to direct the resources you've given me? That becomes a personal conviction of what I'll prioritize right now. Real wealth grows out of being rich toward God and investing in those eternal things. And, and that, that can be a scary thing to do because it's risky. You know, it, putting my money in stuff that I don't immediately tangibly get right now, something that just is, is more out in the eternal perspective, that's, that's risky. But if you choose faith over fear, God will come through for you. And if we shrink back from the risk, we just, we'll never find out what God can do. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for the way that you provide all good things for us. Every good thing comes from you. And the very real, the, the very reality that, you, that you've provided a way to, to erase our debt is mind-boggling. And we're so grateful. Would you help us, Lord, to get, to get a, a very clear understanding of what your priorities are for money, possessions, and resources, and to begin walking in line with that? It's hard. It's a hard battle fighting those desires, fighting the things that we want. Um, there's some tension there. Would you help us, Lord? I pray that you provide resources for, for all the people in this congregation to, to get out of debt. Would you also provide on a bigger scale for us as a church to, to, to go after this opportunity of land and property? And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give help and blessing to, to even the marriages here, here that money causes a lot of stress and, and tension. And I pray that you would... Uh, as we walk in line with your ways, that you would bring peace and blessing into, into marriages as we sort through these tough talks. Thank you, Lord, for all your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.